I am glad that we can spend this time together now uh, looking at God's Word. And uh, if you want to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 11, we have spent a, a, the past couple weeks talking uh, about the, the Easter story. And now we're returning to our series that we've been doing for some time now in Luke. And we're up to Luke chapter 11. So uh, we're going to be starting at verse 37. And uh, normally I would tell you what page that is in the church Bibles, but you probably don't have them. So I'm sure you can, you can find it somewhere towards the back. <clears throat> so this chapter is about hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is the practice of claiming to have moral standards or beliefs to which one's own behavior does not conform. That is, a hypocrite declares that this is the way things are, but when you examine their life and actions, we find that things are, are really not that way at all. And my friends, honestly, like, there are few things, I think, that cause our hearts such immense distress as hypocrisy. In fact, hypocrisy has immense power. It, it, it can uh, turn a soft heart into a heart of stone. And that was my own story, as, as many of you know. Though I grew up going to church, my heart grew at first weary and then calloused and then rock solid because the very same kids I sat next to in church on Sunday were the, the ones who would go, uh, go on to beat me up in school on Monday in a locker room. And I wanted nothing to do with their God. And that, that, that all happened because of hypocrisy. But see, hypocrisy also has the power to turn a, a rock solid heart into a soft one, or at least a shattered one. And, uh, and I know that because it was in college, by God's grace, that my eyes were opened to see my own hypocrisy. And it, it broke me. It totally broke me. And in that wreckage, I, I first came to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he gave me a brand new heart. Now, in today's text, in Luke chapter 11, we're going to examine the words of that same Christ who never needed a new heart because he himself never experienced even a moment of hypocrisy within. But he saw plenty of hypocrisy without. That hypocrisy came in particular from the teachers of Israel who of all people should have known better. And so Jesus has some extremely harsh language for them this morning. And the, the main point of today's text reflects that. Um, you may have seen my email. Uh, there is an outline available if you want to follow along uh, that's available right on our website at gfcsc.org. Um, but feel free to just listen in. The main point right at the top of the outline today is that hypocrites damn themselves and they damn their followers. That's harsh language, but I think it accurately reflects what Jesus wants us to hear today. So the setting for our text is that Jesus had just been warning the crowds that even Gentiles who do not have God's law will rise up on the last day to condemn Israel for their failure to repent. And so we pick up in our text today, Luke 11, starting at verse 37 and going to the end of the chapter. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked to dine with him. And so we went in and reclined a table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees cleansed the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you were full of greed and wickedness. You fools! Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. 
But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without knowing. One of the lawyers answered him, teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. And he said, woe to you lawyers also, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witnesses, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them, and you build their tombs. Therefore, also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute, so that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. And as he went from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. And so our text begins with Jesus being asked by a Pharisee to eat with him. And we're not told why this Pharisee does this, but it's happened at at least once before in chapter 7, and we're going to see it happen again in chapter 14. Okay, so we don't know why he does this, but we are told that the Pharisee is astonished because Jesus failed to wash before dinner. Okay, now, this Pharisee is not ultimately concerned about germs or coronaviruses, (laughs) Rather, he is concerned because the Pharisees, who were an especially strict sect of Judaism, had established a multitude of rules for religious ceremony. And Jesus was blatantly violating them. And he did so very much on purpose. That is, that is he has some, some things to say to these religious teachers about hypocrisy. And so he launches into his response by describing the nature of their hypocrisy. They are concerned with the washing of cups and dishes and hands, but inside they are filthy, full of greed and wickedness. And so Jesus proclaims initially a truth that should be plain to everyone, that the same God who made the outside also made the inside. If you're clean on the outside, but dirty on the inside, you're not really clean at all. Would any of us drink out of a mug that had been washed really well on the inside, but in, or on, on the outside, I'm sorry, but on the inside, you could just see the dirt and bugs crawling around in there and nasty things like that. You'd never drink out of that cup. But, but that's exactly what's happening here to these Pharisees. And Jesus says, if they instead cleaned the inside, the outside would follow. Instead of being full of greed on the inside, if you were full of generosity, you'd be fully clean inside and out. Now, what what follows next are three woes, three proclamations of God's judgment upon the Pharisees. And we'll examine those in just a moment. And then for some reason, (laughs) what happens next is that, that one of the lawyers speaks up. 
Okay, now the lawyers here are not what we think of as lawyers per se. They weren't so much attorneys as they were so-called experts in the law. Okay, these were the, the theologians. These were the Bible scholars. These are the ones who should have been religiously brilliant. Okay, so like if, um, if the Pharisees were a frat, the lawyers were like the frat next door that like they shared a lawn with and maybe some of the same party games. And, you know, like not everybody was invited to both parties, but if you got an invite to one, you kind of knew what to expect at the other place. You follow me? Okay, so this one lawyer here in the text is, is like for some reason goes, yo, Jesus, all this stuff you're saying against that frat? Like we're doing the same things. Now, <laughs> I seriously don't understand what he was thinking, in all honesty. It's like if the cops were raiding that frat next door and this guy comes running outside of his house, he's like, yo, police, come here. Like, there's underage drinking happening over here, too. We want in on this action. Come here, come here, come here, come here. Like, like that's basically what he's saying. What did he think Jesus is going to say next? I don't know. But what we do know is that Jesus basically preaches the same sermon a second time. Seriously, there's, there's a parallelism to it, which is what we're going to look at in just a moment. Okay, Jesus offers three woes, three judgments of God about, uh, uh, upon both the Pharisees and these lawyers. And these three woes are these. Number one, it, he talks about the hypocrite's rule-keeping. Number two, he talks about the hypocrite's glory-seeking. And number three, is, uh, he, the, he talks about the hypocrite's damned followers. We're going to look at each of those in turn, and then we're going to talk about what it means for us, okay? So, woe number one, the hypocrite's rule-keeping. Look, uh, look with me at, at verse 42. Woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. The first woe to the Pharisees is that they rightly tithe on all God gives them. That is, they offer God the first 10%, the very best of the best. It matters even as small as how many herbs they gather or purchase. But they neglect the things that God declares to be most foundational, justice and the love of God himself. Friends, even a cursory reading of the Old Testament would lead anyone, Jew or pagan, to say that, wow, God really, really cares about justice. Furthermore, the, command to, uh, the commands to love God and, and love our neighbor are the most important commandments in all of Scripture. Everything else is built on that foundation. And yet, these are the things that the Pharisees lack. These hypocritical teachers would, would come to God boldly declaring, Look, Lord, I've got these herbs for you. Yes, I bought them from a merchant who stole them from poor farmers and, and extorted them and made their lives miserable. But look, Lord God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, I, I followed all the rules of tithing, and so here are my herbs. Friends, this would be funny if it weren't so tragic. These Pharisees really, really believed this. They were okay with this. They celebrated this, and they thought that God did too. But friends, God is not okay with this. God did not celebrate this. And his righteous judgment upon them will come swiftly. Woe to you, Pharisees. Now, as for the lawyers, they too had serious issues with rule keeping, as Jesus observes. Look at verse 46. 
Woe to you lawyers also, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. For these lawyers, they use their expertise in the law of God not to help those who sought to rightly obey God, but rather to burden them. For these law experts, one command from God was never enough. So they they build seven more commands on top of it and demand that God should be honored in all eight of those ways. And so rather than people knowing the true character of our loving God, all they hear about are his relentless demands upon them. And these lawyers, like the Pharisees, were really okay with this. They celebrated this, and they thought that God did too. But God is not okay with this, friends. God does not celebrate this. And his judgment upon them would come swiftly. Woe to you, lawyers. But hypocritical rule-keeping was not the extent of their sins here. And so for both the Pharisee and the lawyer, Jesus next addresses hypocritical glory-seeking. Look at verse 43. Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Okay, now there is nothing wrong with liking a comfortable place to sit. I hope that most of you are liking the comfortable places where you're sitting right now. No, the problem here is that these Pharisees wanted the best seats, the the ones reserved for the most important, the most high-ranking individuals in society. Okay, so let me also say that that moreover, there's there's nothing wrong in delighting that your friend greets you in the marketplace. Like if you're at Wegmans and they say hi, that's not a sin. Okay, just make sure to stay at least six feet apart. No, the problem here is that the Pharisees sought recognition for their outward holiness. They craved the respect that came from men and women thinking of them as better, wiser, godlier. But this is not the means to glory in God's kingdom, friends. Glory comes not from from things like taking the best seat in a religious gathering, but from from things like depending, uh, I'm sorry, descending on your throne and making yourself nothing, taking the form of a servant. And glory comes not from delighting in the public praise of man, but in the praise of God who declares, well done, good and faithful servant, even when no one else is looking. Glory such as these were not found among the Pharisees, however. And so God's judgment would soon come upon them. Woe to you, Pharisees. Likewise, speaking to the lawyers, Jesus declared, and this is a little bit longer, but but stick with me here. We're starting in verse 47. Woe to you, lawyers, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witnesses and you consent to the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them and you build their tombs. Therefore, also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute, so that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. Okay, here Jesus is saying that these lawyers are seeking to look holy and to appear as though they are honoring God 
by building the tombs of the prophets he had sent. They believe that this, that, that in this, they will find glory for themselves. But no, far from it, Jesus says. Don't you see, oh lawyers, it was your own fathers who killed those very prophets for bringing a message of God's glory. Yes, your fathers were guilty of their murder, and now you are guilty of approving of those murders. And indeed, that that train of thought is exactly the direction that this very passage takes. Look with me, uh, right at the end of the passage again, at verses 53 and 54. As Jesus went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. Friends, here's a prophet speaking God's words of truth and of judgment. Here is an apostle, one who sent from God himself, warns his hearers of the coming wrath of God. But there's no repentance here. Instead, there's provoking. There's lying in wait. And very soon, as we just talked about over the past couple weeks, there will be murder. And not only of a prophet or an apostle, but of the very son of God himself. And so all the blood from Abel to Zechariah to Jesus Christ will be charged against this generation. Yes, the Son of God says it will be required of this generation. Woe to you, Pharisees and lawyers. Woe to you. Woe to you. And woe to those who have unwittingly followed you. Let's consider this third woe about the hypocrites, damned followers. Look with me, verse 44. This is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. Should a grave be unmarked? People could unwittingly step on a dead body, which would make them unclean according to God's law. Thus, Jesus is saying that those who follow these hypocritical Pharisees were in great danger of becoming unclean in God's sight, which effectively cut off their access to him. This is what righteously infuriates the Lord Jesus right here. Not only does the hypocrisy of these Pharisees and of these, uh, well, in a moment, we'll see how the lawyers too lead to their own just damnation before God. But but those who are following them, misguided by the belief that by doing so they're becoming closer to God, are in fact as damned as their teachers. Now, possibly someone might object. You might you might say, but how could they know? They they were led astray. Surely God would not judge them for that. And yet, listen to the words of Jesus in verse 52, speaking to the lawyers. Look at 52. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. Again, while the woe and the associated judgment itself isn't focused, uh, or sorry, is focused on the hypocritical teachers, in this case, it's, it's the lawyers, it is plain that through lack of knowledge, those who follow these hypocrites will be hindered from knowledge of God. 
Whether that knowledge is truth about his holy character or his holy law, or whether it's a, a denial of critical truths that would otherwise result in saving faith on the part of a hearer, Jesus doesn't say here. But in a parallel passage in Matthew 23, verse 15, Jesus says that when the Pharisees and the scribes gain a follower, they make that follower twice the son of hell that they are. That, that's sobering, friends. That means that not only are these false teachers rightly damned for their hypocritical ways, but that those who follow them are in tremendous danger. Hypocrites damn themselves and they damn their followers. So what's the application here? Well, it, it may not be what you might at first think. So let me be really clear in this text. These woes were spoken by Jesus, not to the crowds. He is not speaking to his followers in this text. He is not speaking to his disciples in this text. He is speaking to the hypocritical leaders of his day in this text. And that's very important because while the Bible contains plenty of passages on the topic of hypocrisy that are addressed to those who claim to be Christ's disciples, followers of Yahweh, our God, this passage is not one of them. And thus, these woes, friends, are not written with you in mind, or at least not most of you. These woes are, are written to the hardened opponents of Jesus who are nevertheless drawing God-seekers after them. These, these are those who may appear beautiful and put together on the outside. These are those who may sound confident and knowledgeable on the topics of morality and faith. And these are those who may write eloquently or speak winsomely. And so we really, really want to like them, right? And praise them and follow them to make them our role models. But Jesus warns they're heading straight for hell. And they'll, they'll have no problem saying, come along with me. So who are these people? Well, they're the journalists who wrote the articles that you read in the morning paper. There are the radio or podcast hosts you listened to this morning while you made breakfast. There are the celebrities making moral claims about abortion and gender fluidity and how all religions are valid paths to God. There are the politicians who will make any and all claims right now to get your vote this November. There are the religious teachers who make you great and wonderful promises so long as you send your tithes of mint and rue and every paycheck straight to them every month. Now, don't mishear me. I don't mean to say that every journalist or radio host or celebrity is a godless hypocrite. That's certainly not the case, praise God. However, brothers and sisters, it, part of my role as a shepherd of this flock whether we're meeting virtually or in real life at Grace Fellowship Church, is to warn you when I see wolves. And by God's grace, I and 
all of my fellow elders will do just that. But I also know that ours are not the only voices speaking to you. And perhaps especially right now, as I found myself, and perhaps you're like me, have been uh, going to news sources more than I ever have before, because I, I want to know what's going on out there. I, I, I don't leave my house. And while there's plenty of action, trust me, in this house, uh, I, I want to know what's going on in the world and my community and, and on campus and, and other churches. And so I'm, I'm listening to more teachers. I'm listening to more experts telling me what I should think. And so the temptation is heightened more than ever before, I think, to come under false teaching. And so, friends, here is your primary application right here. Carefully consider those whom you are following. Ask yourselves, are these people guilty of the hypocrisy that Jesus is observing here? Are your role models all about the rules, but not about the love of God? Or are they adding rule after rule that is not found in God's word and was never intended to be? Are your influences seeking their own glory, constantly positioning themselves to receive the greatest amount of praise and likes and shares and retweets? Or do they condemn the actions of their fathers who have gone before them only to give approval to one another when they do the very same things? And what do you see in the lives of their followers? Are they... Are these followers growing closer to Jesus and becoming more like him? Or are their lives looking more and more like their hypocritical heroes, making them twice the sons of hell that they are? Friends, there's a very great deal at stake here. And we all must be sober-minded about it. Okay, so if you find yourself following hypocrites, whether that's out there somewhere or even here at Grace Fellowship Church, please, run away. And when you run, run to those who have been tested and who have been seen to not be hypocrites. Which means, friends, first of all, run to Jesus. He is God's plan of salvation for the world. We've been seeing that on every page of Luke as we've been studying it over these past months. And he alone can rescue you from the hypocrisy of others out there and the hypocrisy in yourselves. Then, after you've run to Jesus, run to godly men and women around you, elders, deacons, Sunday school teachers, and others who have proven themselves to have godly character and whose followers delight in Christ. I am so deeply grateful, looking at all of you here, that that this church is packed full of such people. But don't take my word for it. Get to know them if you don't already. Get to know us, all of us, even as we all get to know and worship Jesus more and more week by week. Would you join me in that, even in the midst of quarantine? Let's pray. God, we worship you and we praise you. You are a God worthy of this praise because you have no hypocrisy in you. What you declare to be right is right and you always do right. And yet your people are not always that way. People who claim to be your people are not always that way. And God, there are false teachers uh, today, just as there were among the Pharisees 
and the scribes and the, uh, the lawyers and others who would make great boasts, who would live in hypocritical ways, who desired their own glory and gave us rule upon rule. And that temptation to follow those people is still there because it sounds so good. God, would you guard us? Would you protect us? Would you strengthen our elders here at Grace Fellowship to be on the lookout for these and to call them out when we see them? And would you lead not a single one of our dear friends here astray? God, we pray this in your precious name. Amen.